0: Welcome! You are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on thelesbianreview.com. I'm Sheena, and today I'm talking about some of my favorite rereads. I have split up my reread selection into four separate podcasts, and we're starting with fantasy novels. There are three in particular that I return to again and again. The first book in my fantasy rereads is Daughter of the Sun by Effie Kelvin. It's published by Nine Star Press, and there is an audiobook narrated by Brenda Scott Wallazio. I have not listened to the audiobook, so I cannot comment on it. I love the book, though. It is the second book in the Tales of Inthia series by Effie Kelvin it's perfectly fine to read by itself. You don't have to read it in order, but I love the whole series and highly recommend the series. There's something about this book, though, that brings me back to it again and again. It's the relationship between the two characters, but it's also the complex nature of the character and the character arc that Aelia goes through. But let me start with the synopsis. Orsina of Melidri is a paladin of the Order of the Sun, sworn to drive out corruption and chaos wherever she finds it. She has been ordered to leave her home and travel around Vesolda in search of a great evil she's supposedly destined to destroy. But after two years of fighting monsters and demons and evil gods, she does not seem to be any closer to her goal, or ever returning home. Elia is the goddess of caprice, the personification of poor decision-making. The Order of the Sun has classified her as a chaos goddess, meaning that her worship has been outlawed. During a run-in with Orsina, she's trapped in a mortal body, rendering her unable to leave Inthia. Aelia is found by Orsina again, but this time Orsina does not recognize her in the new body. So Aelia pretends to be a mortal woman who's fleeing an abusive family. Aelia plans to use Orsina as protection as she hunts down the magical relic that will free her from her mortal body. As Aelia and Orsina grow closer to one another, Aelia wrestles with her own desire to tell Orsina the truth about who she is, and her fear that Orsina will turn on her if she does. But the decision might not be hers after all, because their actions have not gone unnoticed by Aelia's siblings. One of the things that draws me to this book again and again is the complex nature of Aelia's character. She starts off as this goddess that's just out for herself she wants people in villages to just be slothful and do nothing and she sort of feeds off of that kind of chaos but as the book progresses she changes and she grows and that relationship between her and Orsina is such a beautiful touching and gentle romance that this story is something I come back to again and again when I want that feeling of redemption, that feeling of everything can be okay in the end and love can conquer all. It's a great series. I highly recommend all the books in the series, but this one for me is definitely a good reread. Next in my rereads list is Christabel by Karen Callmaker, published by Bella Books, and there's no audiobook available. For years, this has been a go-to for me when I'm feeling down and I want to feel like there's hope in the world. The characters and their ability to overcome years and years of oppression to finally get the love story that they so deserve is what draws me back again and again. And it's Karen Cormaker, so it's beautifully written. I'm going to read the synopsis for you. Deeper than the city streets, the subways, even the dry riverbeds that no longer flow are the roots of a tree that remembers love and tragedy. Financier Dina Rowland's assignment is to make fashion designer Leo Goronson a lot of money. But the more she knows of him, the more repugnant his personal life is to her. Not the least inconsequential is his unbreakable hold on his greatest asset, supermodel Christabel. One touch and the power and responsibility of Dina's long-hidden heritage threatens to crumble the careful plans that she's made for her life. Krista knows that there's no escaping her tormentor but she has a plan to deny him what he ultimately wants from her. The past can't be changed. Having long accepted her fate, she is unprepared for the wild feelings that Dina's eyes arose in her. There is passion, certainly, but also the rarest feeling of all to her. Hope. I actually want to read you an excerpt from this one just to kind of illustrate how gorgeously written it is. This is the first time that Dina and Cristobal see each other. Everyone turned to the soft voice behind them. For the third time in the last hour, Dina was stricken with vertigo. Surely it was just hunger and fatigue? PMS, maybe? Through the shoulders of the men, she saw a woman, or a girl. No, a woman. Her dark eyes were huge and her skin alabaster with rose-stained cheeks and lips. She seemed like a mist, almost as if she wasn't there. But as she moved down the stairs with a flowing grace that mesmerised Dina... She solidified in Dina's mind. She has to be a model, but unlike most models, there was nothing boyish or waiflike like about her. She was all woman, lusciously female. You wanted to examine my assets? Goranson gestured at the newcomer, who stood at the bottom of the stairs. This is my chief asset, like Christabel. Dina looked at Goranson and knew that he understood assets were something you owned. That was when she began to hate him. This book has a fantasy element in that there are magical, mystical kind of aspects to it, and it takes place over two timelines, kind of parallel stories. And it's so beautifully done and so gorgeously researched, and I can't recommend this one enough. I reread this one when I feel like nothing in the world can get better and all hope seems lost because this one gives me hope. My third book on my fantasy rereads list is Shell Game by Billy Lawrence, published by Bedazzled Inc, and there is no audiobook for it. Here's the synopsis. Life in a remote fishing village in the middle of a civil war is neither safe nor inspiring, so when an opportunity comes along for village girl Lynn to be kidnapped and enslaved by Darren, a ruthless pirate queen, she takes full advantage of it. But Darren is neither as ruthless nor as piratical as she appears at first glance and Lynn's not exactly what she seems to be either. In between encounters with old girlfriends, a slow death involving marmalade, and bounty hunters with no sense of humor, Lynn and her new mistress attempt to work out exactly what they are to each other, and who's in charge. This is a great synopsis because it kind of gives you a sense of Lawrence's humor. Lawrence takes what could be a really dark story, and turns it into a touching and funny and memorable story, with characters that are deep and gorgeous, and it is a beautifully written book. On the surface, this is an amusing pirate story, where pirates are not quite the bad guys, and captives are not quite captives, but underneath it all, there's actually a very, there's a deep commentary on ownership, and being a captive. This story also gives me hope, hope that there are good people in the world, and hope that even if you're stuck in a situation that seems untenable, that you can get out of it and you can survive, and others will help you. It's gorgeously written, I'm going to read you a piece to give you an idea of why I think this is the most awesome book. Tell him to tie me to the mast, I repeated slowly. Her mouth opened and closed twice, You want to be tied to the mast? That's not the question, I said in my most reasonable tone of voice. The question is, do you want me running around your nice orderly ship like a lunatic, knocking over barrels and throwing wineskins overboard and trying to bite your fingers off? The only sensible thing to do is tie me to the mast. You wouldn't do that, she said, with more confidence than she felt I could tell. I grinned nastily. Wouldn't I? Her face was an interesting study right then. There was disbelief. But then as the seconds passed, she began to believe that I was serious. And then she realized that the tide was turning and that she didn't have time to sit around and debate the issue. She made an intriguing sound, something in between a moan and a snarl. I was to hear her make that sound quite a few times in the coming days. She threw up her hands. Fine, she said. Fine, have it your way. "Regan, you heard her tie her to the goddamn mast, tie her to anything she wants to be tied to, tie her to the anchor for all I care and get her on the damn boat now. Then she strode off, nursing her bleeding arm. The village children scampered at her heels like puppies. Regent tried to lead me away gently but I set my heels in the dirt so he had to yank me along. Within 15 seconds the cord was biting into my wrist and I stubbed my toe and my back was aching and my knees were scraped where I'd knelt on the path. And I couldn't figure out why I felt so fantastically happy. I filed that away as something to think about once I had the time. Good news, if you love this book, there's a follow-up to it now, which I also highly recommend. I hope you enjoyed our time together as I chatted about three of my favourite fantasy rereads. This is Sheena on the Lesbian Review podcast. That's all for this week. Bye! Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. Please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon, or become a patron. Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. Go to patreon.com slash review for more.